I want to talk to you about Acts chapter 7 and verse 9, which was a verse I mentioned this morning. And I'm amazed at how these two uh, sermons really go together. Almost in some way overlap a little bit, though they were not intended to. It's God's doing because I ask him what he wants me to do when he wants me to do it. The patriarchs were moved with them. He sold Joseph into Egypt, but God was with him. This phrase of God was with him has been on my mind for many years, many years. Uh, I first saw that phrase, I don't even know how long ago anymore. Uh, when I was young and um, going to college, married with a child, went to Bob Jones, uh, was uh, laying floor covering on my own, subcontractor. Um, there was a lot of jeopardy in my life. I was in jeopardy on every side. I was in financial jeopardy. Uh, and when I would go into work, it was very likely they could give me a job that I didn't know how to do. You know, that I could get a job was over my head, and I couldn't do it. And it's humbling to go to a guy and say, I don't know how to do that. And so uh, would you give me something else a little easier? I sometimes would show up at somebody's house. They bought. They would go into Mayfield Carpet, buy the carpet and everything. Come, and I would drive up as the installer. And when I got out of the car and walked in the house, they'd say, "Where's the installer?" I say, "Well, I'm I'm him." And more than one time, the woman just stood there and cried. She said, "You say whatever her husband's name was, Dad." She'd say, "They sent us a child," because I looked. Uh, I had a baby face when I was young. I looked young for my age. And um, a baby face uh, did not help me as I was out there installing at 19 years old. These people, they're bringing in $5,000 worth of carpet into a guy's house to put it in. They're like, what? A lot of jeopardy in my life. Uh, the problem with being old is sometimes you feel like you're out of jeopardy, but you're not. You're not. We're in jeopardy every minute. That's what Paul said, jeopardy every minute. We're, we're really in jeopardy every moment, so we trust. And so the theme of what he said uh, is kind of the theme of what I'm going to talk about a little bit here about God uh, and Joseph and how God is, is with you. The, the, um, I, the title of this is Why Do Some Christians Do So Well? Some Christians do well, and there's a reason why people do well. It's because of that phrase right there, God was with them. If you don't get anything in life or anything out of a message that we preach, get the idea that without God, you can do nothing. You need God with you. <clears throat> so hopefully we'll talk a little bit about how to get God with you, what, what are prerequisites of that, because he wants to be, and he wants to bless you like our brother talked about. After all the smoke settles in human history, one main truth will be glaring for all to see that man needs God. This world cannot go on indefinitely without self-destructing, total self-destruction. You know, it's the movies that Hollywood comes up with. You, you don't maybe go to the movies or watch the movies, but if you watch TV or anything in media, they'll throw you advertisements of those things. And you'll see, you know, uh, 
the end of the world movies that the Hollywood makes are always dismal and dark. The end of the world is dark and dismal. Why? They're without God. They've chosen not to believe there is a God. They've chosen to, like Romans chapter 1 says, they're willfully ignorant. They knew there was a God, but they didn't want to retain him in their conscience and in their life. It bothered them. It, 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 it messed their, their lifestyle up, so they denied him, created evolution, created other theories to try to explain creation, how we got here, and our purpose, and all that other stuff. It's interesting how their mind is darkened. Their eyes are dark. If you look at their eyes, they're just dark. It's because without God, because God is light, there's only darkness left. If you're not with God, you only have one of the choices, darkness. And so God, and if I may say this, God needs man. I think it's fairly, fairly obvious that God needs man. And he wants to be around you. God created Adam and Eve so that he could fellowship with them and be with them in the garden. And he made them in his image. And in his likeness, God wants this fellowship. God's letting human history unfold right before us. And ultimately will prove that man without him cannot exist. Uh, because God really doesn't deal in theory. Satan decept, deceived himself and rebelled against God. He took, the Bible says, about a third of the angels. So he convinced a third of God's angels that they didn't need God. Satan got deceived and said, I don't need God. And then he convinced a third of the angels. It's a very compelling argument. But everything he said to them was theory. It was just theory. God doesn't deal in theory. He deals in fact. He's letting this thing, people ask me at time, why is this thing playing its way out? Why doesn't he just come end it all and go? Because he's going to convince everything, everyone that ever took a breath, ultimately when the whole thing settles out, that man cannot live without God. If you leave God, you're destined for death, destruction, and every bad thing you can imagine. Ultimately, the second death. Separate away from God with no beauty, no light, no joy, guilt, shame, torment, pain are for those who walk away from God. Um, so as I was reading the Bible, it hit me about some of these people in the Bible that did well. The Bible says that God was with them. And what does God with them mean? It means he was... Um, for what they were about to do. God was for it. Behind them, and I like, I wrote this way before you did here, but behind them, following them, behind them, in support and purpose, uh, he was specially with them. Now, I know we have the Holy Spirit of God when you get born again. Everybody that gets born from above gets the Holy Spirit of God. He'll never leave you, never forsake you. He's with you. He's the comforter. Uh, and, and we're not talking about having the Holy Spirit. We're talking about having a special blessing from God on the work of your hands and on what you're doing 
and what, what you've decided to do for God. Boy, don't you need that? I need it. Often I'll pray, God, may every decision I make be from heaven. I, I mean, you make a lot of decisions during the day, don't you? The average businessman has to make all kinds of decisions during the day. But the average person has to make all kinds of decisions during the day. What time to get up, where to go, what to do. You know, just making, you're making hundreds of decisions. Do not make them without God. Ask God to help you. Ask God to give you decision making. Give me every decision. I'm talking about, I'm talking about who, what, where, when, why. You know, should I get up on this ladder? Shouldn't I get up on this ladder? I've decided, I'm 68 years old, I've decided probably it's a good idea that I don't get up on ladders anymore. If you know much about accidents, ladders contribute to many, many, many serious accidents. Uh, and that's regular people. But you put old people on ladders, and in fact, there's a preacher up in the middle of the country there. It was a God bless his soul. He was up on his roof. He was 67 years old, up on his roof. Rather than calling one of these young guys, you know, he knew. He got up on his roof, fell off, broke his neck, and died. And, you know, that happened, uh, I've heard that more than once, or they, or they paralyzed themselves from neck down or said any other thing, falling off a ladder. So I decided that, but I need God, <laughs> I need God to give me wisdom to know when to not get on a ladder. Amen? I need to know when it's time to quit driving. Oh, well, I got some heads turned up on that. All the young people said. All the young people said, glory to God, hallelujah, that's a good subject. Preach to them old birds. I know driving is your last bastion of freedom. But it'll also be your last horrific thing you'll do if you paralyze some young person or kill somebody because of your negligence. Uh, and I know what I'm talking about. My mother, my dad, God bless his soul. He had wisdom from above. And he just said there's a certain time. He came to a certain time of his life and says, I'm not driving anymore. And my mother drove. But my, when my mother got where he was at, she wouldn't do that. She drove. And when I rebuked her as a child, she said, you don't tell me what to do. I said, right. And then when the insurance company rebuked her and raised her insurance to five grand a year, she said, I said, Mom, you're paying five thousand dollars a year in insurance. She said, I don't care. I'll pay ten thousand. It's my money. I thought, oh great. This is where I get the stubbornness I got. And uh and she got in six automobile accidents within six months. And finally, after the last one, where she sideswiped the guy's brand new car from front to back, front to back, took the whole side out of the car. I felt so bad for the guy I wanted to cry. And I said to her, are you think it's time to quit driving? And of course, it was like the end of the world to her. She said no. So I went to her doctor. And I said, can you take her license away? He said, I can. I got to get another doctor to agree with me. And I said, do it. And he made her take a test. And some of you old birds are getting ready to take this test. 
This was a two-hour driving test on a course that they set up for you. And she got done with that two-hour test. And she says, I did well, didn't I? And the instructor said, you ran two stop signs. He said, your license is gone. And oh, man, I'm glad she didn't know I did that. All I can tell you, I'm glad she never found it out. She, she died without knowing that. She still don't know it. And she, she's listening right now. She don't know that. I said, oh, God, help me not to be stubborn like that. That's what I mean by well, asking God to be with you. Asking God to be with your decision making. Asking God to give you some, some wisdom past your years. So during a Bible study, I, I really was quite amazed at how many people the Bible mentioned that God was specifically with them. Starting out with Abraham, he was called to leave his father and mother and go out a place he didn't even know. The Bible said God was with him. Isaac in Genesis 26, uh, 24 says, um, The Lord appeared unto him the same night and said, I am the God of Abraham thy father. Fear not, for I am with thee and will bless thee and multiply thy seed my servant Abraham, for my servant Abraham's sake. For Jacob. Genesis chapter 28, he said, And behold, verse 15, Behold, I am with thee, and will keep thee in all places whither thou goest, and will bring thee again into this land, for I will not leave thee until I have done that, which I have spoken unto thee. Joseph, and I already mentioned in 7, 9 of Acts. Solomon, Second Chronicles chapter 1, verse 1, of Solomon, the son of David, was strengthened in his kingdom. The Lord his God was with him and magnified him exceedingly. Uh, we see Asa, King Asa, in, in chapter Second uh, Chronicles uh, chapter 15, verse 9, and he gathered all Judah and Benjamin and the strangers from Ephraim and Manasseh and out of Simeon, and they fell to him out of Israel in abundance when they saw that the Lord his God was with him. Joshua, of course, this is more, more, maybe one of the more famous ones. In Joshua chapter 1, verse 5, it says, There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. Why? As I was with Moses, so will I be with you. And I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Have I not commanded, verse 9, have I not commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage, be not afraid, neither be dismayed. The Lord thy God is with thee whither, so ever thou goest. I don't know what's going to happen in these next elections. And if the worst nightmare that we as Christians ha could actually happens, and, and you know what that is without me verbalizing it to you, and we go into a great depression and the whole economy and the dollar crumbles and the nation sinks into a wickedness like never before, yet God is still with us because we're with Him. God was with them, these people I've mentioned, because they were with Him. Jeremiah 1.8, Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee. To deliver thee, saith the Lord. And that's what I need. Jeremiah 119. They shall fight against thee, and they shall not prevail against thee, for I am with thee, saith the Lord, to deliver thee. God's doing something big. I think of Jesus, Acts chapter 10, verse 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth to the Holy Ghost with power, went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him see this truth. I like when Jesus said, if any man, if, if, if uh, 
without me, you can do nothing. That's, that was always impacted with me when Jesus mentioned that. Without me, you can do nothing in John 15, 5. I'm the vine, you're the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him. Same bringeth forth much fruit. Without me, you can do nothing. I hope you know real quick, it's not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. You're gonna, you rise and I rise and fall on God. Everything's, what's God, historically, what is he doing? He's proven that without him, you can do nothing. And we need to know that. We need to keep that clear in our mind. That we need him. And we're dependent on him. I think of Gamaliel and the whole Sanhedrin consul. They understood this principle. Um, Acts chapter 5, verse 38. And now I say unto you, refrain from these men and let them alone. For if this consul or this work be of men, it will come to naught. But if it be of God, you cannot overthrow it. Lest happily, or happily, not happily, Thus happily you be found even to fight against God. So I'm going to make a few short statements about God being with you that I, that I learned going through this in this little Bible study. God's presence with you, and it's clear that God's presence will be with you as, you, as, you, as you're with him. If God's presence with you is the ultimate motivator, it just motivates me to keep going. When I see no light at the end of the tunnel, I know there will be light. When I see no way out, I know there's going to be a way out. When I see no hope, I know there's hope. And I just, I just walk by faith forward, moving on trusting God because he's with us. There's no amount of suffering that's too great if you know God's with you. Because at the end of it all, and, and uh, I oftentimes pray that in Psalm 23, 6, that last part, I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Brother, that, that there's no suffering of the mouth. Eventually, it's going to be wiped away. There's no sacrifice that God has. You, you sacrifice is too painful if you know God is with you. There's no loneliness, and boy, this can be bad. Loneliness can be long, long. I don't know if you've ever been lonely. I really do not know. I know a lot of different kinds of pain, but I do not know the pain of loneliness. I really don't. I can't say I'm qualified to know, but there are people in this room. Brother Bill's getting baptized with loneliness. In other words, Pat leaving him now 10 years. That's a long time. I couldn't imagine, Bill, being without my woman for 10 years. But God's blessed you. You, put, you hung on. You kept your head down. Did the right thing. Stay, and by the way, pass up there cheering for him. Pass the test. But, uh, but you know, there's no grief too deep. If God will just be with us and help us, he will. Uh, like he was Joshua, like he was these men that I mentioned. Uh, the second thing notice is God's presence with you is the ultimate comfort. It motivates us, but it also comforts us. And if you're, if, if, if you're in pain, it distracts you. You ever been in pain? If you're in pain, it distracts your mind. It focuses your mind on the pain, right? I'm thinking of the fireman, you know, Robert Jensen. I, he never even knew he had an ankle or a foot, and, you know, he was focused on life, focused on doing stuff that he was doing. He breaks his ankle. Now, all of a sudden, his whole focus is on that ankle. Brother Nick, riding a motorcycle in shorts and nothing, falls off and 
on the pavement at really a slow speed. And man, I mean, it takes the skin off of his ankle, takes the skin off of his arm. All of a sudden, Nick, all that other stuff Nick was thinking about doing, he wasn't thinking about doing anymore because he was thinking about that pain that just keeps you up at night. The throbbing of the pain. Pain and pain will take you out of focus. But what God gives us, he's the comforter. God wants you to have comfort so that you'll be able to serve him, be able to do his will, be able to accomplish his will upon this old earth. Uh, the third thing is God's presence with you is the ultimate assurance. Man, how did Joseph make it? Well, he knew God was with him. When he was sitting in that old dungeon, and them, the, the baker and, and the cupbearer didn't remember him, two years went by and nobody said a word after he interpreted their dream. Two years, folks, two years is a long time. You can sit up here and I can talk like, oh, two years, boom, boom, boom. But when you got to live two years, two years is just a one-day-at-a-time deal. It's a long time. But it looks to me like Joseph just believed God was in the thing, and he was just going to trust him. I like what old Jacob, what old Job said in 1315, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him? Maybe you've taken away my family, you've taken away my wealth, you've taken away my health. I don't know. The only thing else you could take away would be my wife. Which if you know Job's wife, that would have been a blessing. But he said, though you slay me, the only thing you could do now is take my life. But even if you take my life, I'm just going to trust you. Is that the kind of faith you got? Are you trusting God no matter good, bad, whatever happens? Or do you have all kinds of conditions for God? Because God, if God blesses my business or if God blesses my family, if God keeps me safe, if God keeps me out of trouble, I'll serve him. The devil hears that and goes, we can take tomorrow out. All we got to do is mess him up. I want to tell the devil, right up, straight him down. I want to quote Job 13, 15, though you slay me, yet will I trust him. Hey, uh, because I don't want to become the target of the devil. I don't want to show him, that, hey, I, you can take me out of the service of God. All you got to do is make me uncomfortable. All you got to do is put me into pain. All you got to do is take away something I own, uh, cause my house to burn down or or, or thieves to break in and steal, and boy, a preacher, will, he'll be shot. I hope not. Because God's with me. You can be abused and mistreated and lonely, deserted, scared, helpless, hopeless, and hapless. But what's left? God. God is with me. If you be with Him. You need God's presence and power in your life. You need Him. What God's trying to teach you in this life is you need him. You need him. You have to have him. You need him. Well, preacher, I'm intelligent. I got a mind. I can do this or that. You wouldn't have any of that without him. You need him. Uh, you just need him. Number four, the fourth lesson I, I've learned on this is God's presence with you is conditional. I hear people say this, and I understand kind of where they're coming from about God's love being unconditional. But can I say this? And I preached on, I preached a whole sermon on God's love is not unconditional. If you don't repent and repent of your sins and, and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection, you're going to a devil's hell. Are you with me? Now, God loves you, but you're not going to be a recipient of that love. Because God's love is conditional. 
It's conditional. You've been fed that line by everybody and his brother. Love is unconditional. Because girls just love to repeat that. Oh, love is unconditional. I told my wife straight up and down, my love is not unconditional for you. I got a whole list of conditions. Amen? I got to listen. She steps out on me with another man. Boom, bam, slam, buddy. And it's not going to be. All the nicety is over. I mean, there are things that she could do to destroy my love for her. Absolutely. Let's be human now. Don't be, don't be so saintly on me. Oh, there's nothing my wife could do. Oh, yes. Yes, there is. And you can do, you can offend God where he'll send you to a devil's hell. God's love is absolutely conditional on our repentance and faith and obedience. Now, he's going to give you the power to obey. If you want to obey, he'll give you the power to obey. He'll help you come through, go all the way. If you want to believe, he'll help you to believe, and he'll be with you, never leave you nor forsake you. Once you're born into the family and sealed as his child, obviously, uh, you know, he's going to discipline you now like a child and not like a stranger. And you're going to have Hebrews 12 played out on you after you get born again. And I don't believe you can lose your salvation. I believe you're going to go to heaven, but you're going you're to suffer loss and you're going to be saved as by fire, according to the Word of God. And it'll be rough. It'll be rough. But God's presence with you you look through the book, it was conditional on those people who were willing to live for him and follow him. Are you willing to follow God? Are you willing to serve God? Do you love God? God's with you. Just like my wife all these years has loved me and helped me and been with me, and I'm with her. Amen? I'm with her. But she could do something to offend that love and to betray that love. To where that love was not exemplified to her. And let me tell you, folks, it's a, it's a fearful thing, the Bible says, to fall into the hands of a living God. Read 10th chapter, uh, 26th verse through the, through the 39th verse of the book of Hebrews. Love is conditional. The Bible says in, six, in Proverbs 16, 7, when a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. That's conditional. I'll read you another one. 1 John 3, 22, whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments. It's conditional. Answered prayer is conditional. Um, Proverbs 8, 17, I love them that love me, and those that seek me early shall find me. Conditional. Uh, Jeremiah 29, 13, you shall seek me and find me when you shall search for me with all your heart. Conditional. This is just a sample of so many verses like this. Um, so God's, God's love for you, and, and I mean, yeah, his love for you, sure, was not based on any amount of works or who you are. God so loved the world. Now, don't be confused here. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That was unconditional. That God sent his son to die for the world, suffer for your sins, satisfy his justice, provide a free gift of salvation. That was all unconditional. Didn't make any difference what we did, who we were. Didn't make any conditions at all. 
But whether you receive that love and whether you receive the blessing of God is absolutely conditional on you and whether you're willing to get in alignment with him. You got it? You got it? Now don't go out here and say, preacher's a heretic. Because I, I preached against unconditional love. Oh, preacher. I know young girls are looking for a Prince Charming, some boy that's going to sweep them off their feet, and, and uh, every, every little whim they have, he wants to satisfy, and he'll just always be wonderful to them. That man doesn't exist. You've read too many books. You've watched too much Disney. I see these little 10-year-old girls and these pink little print. They're not princesses. You ain't no princess. What are you doing in that pink outfit? Sorry. That's just bonus material. Well, you want to know why there's so much divorce? Getting married under the, under different, under the wrong pretenses. Disappointed expectations that were never, ever going to be fulfilled. Amen. My wife had very, very low expectations for me. Very low expectations for me. And I fulfilled every one of them. I fulfilled all two expectations she had for me. That I was alive and I breathed. The other day she was sick, and when she's sick, man, I go to the other side of the house. I mean, you know, don't touch my, don't touch anything that's mine. Don't do my laundry. Don't do the dishes. We told in a total separation thing. I go to the other side of the house, sleep on the hard, rock hard bed over there, because I'm a sacrificial person. Give her the good bed, and we we separate over there. And she about four days into that, she was feeling a lot better, and she says, "I want you to come back." Into the into the bedroom with me because I miss you when you're not there. I said, "Really? What do you miss about me?" She says, "Well, I like to hear you breathe. That's one of them expectations, man. Right there. I'm alive. I breathe. I can do that." I can, I can be the ideal husband. Them that love me, I love them that love me, and those that seek miracles should find me. Brother, if you love God, he's all over. He's with you. Joseph loved God, and he was with him. Uh, Daniel loved God, he was with him. Asa loved God, he was with him. Uh, Joshua loved God, he was with him. Uh, Solomon loved God. David loved God. All those people in the Bible that loved God, he was with him. And he'll, he'll, he'll even cause all your enemies to be at peace with you. He's going to help you. The key is to love God with all your heart. What's the first and greatest commandment of all the commandments? It has to do with love, doesn't it? Love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. And when you do that, God says, amen. That's a condition. The second one, of course, being to love your neighbors yourself. So you love horizontally. You love, you love, uh, horiz- you love vertically. You love horizontally. And 
I can't do it without him now. Because what he also has taught me, I can't do anything without him. I can't even love God without him. I need God to love him. I sure need God to love you folks. Because you need, you got it, you need God to love people. When I was a young man, I said, I do not like people. I want to go to Montana, live on top of a mountain where nobody else is and never see another human being. And God says, great, I want you to be in the ministry. People, people will hurt you if you get around them. They're dangerous. They are. He said, that's exactly where I want you to be. Oh, not me. I'll be a businessman. I'll do anything. I'll be a plumber, electrician, anything, name something. No, that's what I want you to do. I want you to be with people. He says, I'll help you. God has helped me and made me as sweet as I've turned out to be. So God will be with you. Well, may the Lord help us. I hope your soul has been encouraged tonight. It's mine has. There's a God in heaven, and he's with us. You serve him. You put your head down. Don't you, don't you take your hand off the plow. Don't you let the devil talk you out of it. Don't be disappointed. Some people, some people get disappointed with God because their expectations are higher than God is willing to do. And they'll, they'll leave. They'll quit going to church and say, well, you know, God's basically failed me. Well, I sure don't want to die and stand for Jesus and say, you failed me. Imagine the evidence that's going to be mounted up against that kind of accusation. The Bible says every mouth will be stopped because the evidence will be so great. And so we need God. You can't do it without Him. You need Him all the way home. May the Lord help us. Father, thank you for a few minutes together. Thank you for just the night, the music, and the special, and Abdiel's message, and how you're with us and you're all the time, front to back, side to side. Help us to end well, and Father, thank you for following us all the way home and opening your home to us, in Jesus' name. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.